Hey everybody, welcome back to Empires of the Future. Uh, it's good to be here with you today. Jackson, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Good, 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 good. What have you been up to this morning? You say it's been a busy day. Well, uh, doing a lot of pro presenter work this morning, trying to make files do what uh, they don't seem to want to do. Uh, it's amazing how much a computer can be like, no, that's not a JPEG file. I've never seen a file like that in my life. And then two minutes later, you can be in a different situation and say, what about now? And it's go, oh, yeah, that JPEG file? Sure, I can handle that. Oh, yeah, sure, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, or, well, that is a JPEG, but uh, wrong size. Keep trying. Well, that was the whole problem. When I first put it in, it was like, oh, you want it blown up like this? And uh, no, I did not. <laughs> so then you imported it a different way, and this is... Uh, and this is Apple computers. When your software takes the liberty of uh, just editing your photos for you as you yeah. put them in, it's like, oh, thanks for that, but that's not helpful. <laughs> right, right, right. What about you? What have you been up to? Uh, also been a relatively busy morning. I've had two meetings already today and uh, done a lot of office work, not to mention normal stuff. You don't got to drop the kiddos off where they go and everything. Um, but I, I've... I got to give a little bit of a shout out. I don't know. In fact, I have my doubts that she listens to this podcast. Um, but uh, Sandy at the association office. Yeah. Awesome, awesome lady. Awesome secretary. Does a fantastic job. Uh, and that has been demonstrated yet again. And that uh, as I was on my way here, I was on the phone with her, giving her all the numbers for the report that we're supposed to fill out by we, I mean, every Southern Baptist church in the association yes, yes. is supposed to fill out ahead of the annual meeting, which is coming up next month. And even though she emailed me about it, besides emailing it to me, right, and then texting me again, reminding me, hey, haven't seen you turn in your report yet. It's, it's due. You need to turn in our report. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. I got it. I got it. And then I get a text from her today. Hey, you forgot to turn in your report. I need to get all that stuff turned in tonight. So if you could call me and we'll get the numbers over the phone. And so on the way over here, I was basically... Dictating out, the report. Yeah, dictating the report to poor Sandy, and she was just so sweet. Not once have I ever gotten a hint of, like, annoyance or I'm done with you vibes at all, even though they are rightly deserved. <laughs> so she's fantastic, and I was able to, to listen to me over the phone and get all those numbers and everything. So uh, that's always kind of exciting, last-minute stuff. But are you going to the annual meeting next month? Yeah. Nice. It's here. Oh, that's right. It's here yeah. at... Oh, man, that's so sad. I won't be there. No. I know. We'll be in Rome. <laughs> so, anyway. Well, you know, when in Rome, I guess. When in Rome, you when don't, Rome, go, don't to go to the association, association meeting. <laughs> that's right. It's just that's like right. they always say. Like they say. But anyway, well, I'm glad to be here with you. Um, we got an interesting topic to talk about here, a topic that has kind of, in a sense, been in development um, for a while. And when I say in development, I mean... Uh, we're going to be talking about a guy by the name of Andy Stanley. And for those of you who don't know who Andy Stanley is, he's um, the son of the the late Charles Stanley, um, who was a very well-known teacher, preacher, um, author back in, what would you say, the 80s? Uh, he was probably most popular in the 80s and 90s. 80s and 90s, yeah. Uh, well, his son, Andy Stanley, also um, ended up becoming a pastor and, and is a very popular Bible teacher and... Um, writer and all these things. Uh, pastor at, uh, I think it's North Point. Is North that right? North Point Community Church, yes. North Point Community Church uh, near Atlanta. And he's been in the headlines before. I say the headlines. I'm talking about like the Christian headlines. Right, or right, right. Even in certain Christian circles kind of headlines. For certain things that he has said and done and uh, that have been, I don't know, ruffled some feathers, been a little suspect in certain ways and things like that. Um, well, he has made the headlines again. Uh, specifically, he has caught the attention and the ire of uh, Albert, Dr. Albert Moeller, uh, who has both written an article for World Religion, um, or World Magazine. World Opinions. World yeah. Opinions, yeah. yes. I can't keep that straight. World Opinions. He has written an article um, about Andy Stanley and some things that he and his church are doing and promoting uh, but not only, I don't know if you listened to the briefing past couple days, but not only did he write an article about it, he also dedicated a significant amount of time on the briefing, I think it was yesterday, um, to this issue uh, about Andy Stanley. So he he is entitled the article, if you're interested in seeing the article for yourself, it's at World Opinions, and the title of the article is The Train is Leaving the Station by Dr. Moeller. Um, and the subhead, subtitle, which is significant, 
is Andy Stanley's departure from biblical Christianity. Now, you know, I don't know who all is listening to this. I think there are plenty of people listening of our listeners that are maybe like, I don't really know who Andy Stanley is. I think there are probably some who say, oh, yes, I've loved Andy Stanley, Andy Stanley and benefited from his teaching and, and things like that. Um, and so for those people, that headline could potentially be quite eye-opening, um, could potentially strike a nerve, who knows. Um, but the issue, and I think why Dr. Moeller writes in this way, uh, and we'll get to the issue of the article here in a second, but uh, the, the accusation or sort of the claim being made in the article by Dr. Moeller is that Andy Stanley is, has departed from biblical Christianity, or is at least on his way out, right? Uh, and he's titled it, the, the Train is Leaving the Station. I think it's a play on, on words of previous things that Andy Stanley himself has said, where he was famously now, again, within Christian circles, quoted as saying uh, that as Christians or as evangelicals, we need to unhitch the Old Testament from our, from our faith mm. um, or unhitch from the Old Testament. And uh, I think Dr. Mueller has taken that sort of language to the next step and said, well, the train has now been unhitched and is leaving the station uh, from biblical Christianity in general. Um, I don't know if there's more you want to say about sort of where we come to this point in the discussion. You know, Andy Stanley's previous comments that caught attention back then. Um, they were kind of basically his claim that he was making, I think, to— uh, want to try and be as fair as, as possible, um, was that as believers, we are under the New Covenant. The Old Testament was largely written for the Jewish people and therefore not something that really pertains to us today. Is that, isn't that that pretty accurate as far as what he was trying to get at, trying to say? I think so. It's been a challenge um, to get at sometimes what Andy Stanley is saying. His... Uh, M.O. has been, uh, one, I, I would say, gifted in evangelism, but especially geared his church um, to being uh, what is known as seeker-sensitive, uh, open to non-believers. And look, uh, we want our churches to be open to non-believers, but sometimes over the years, he's made a variety of statements that, um, that are right if you mean them in the right way and wrong, if you mean them in the wrong way. Yeah. And so that has led to confusion. And it's, it's, there's been multiple times where people have called him out. Another statement, just as another, for instance, uh, is, uh, just within the past few months, he said, um, if your ministry keeps you from reaching out to, homosexual people then you don't need to be questioning your doctrines you need to be questioning your ministry style which i think is another statement that one that's a false dichotomy you could be poor in your doctrine and poor in your yeah. methodology yeah uh, they, they unfortunately neither one cancels out the other yeah. <laughs> you can be real bad at more than one thing yeah. um but the second thing is um it makes you walk down a path uh, that's unclear and then one that's not healthy. But it seems that we're finally landing at a point where all these uh, quote-unquote misunderstandings, and look, some of them may have been misunderstandings. It's hard to say, but uh, I had gotten, as many had, even people who want to be generous towards others, because Andy Stanley's been a help to me. He was never... Um, one, one thing that I've come to and, and a bit of advice I would give to any Christian is um, make the people that you really look up to in, in the church people that you know personally, because when you don't have any opportunity to see someone in any capacity other than sort of a planned, scripted, or a uh, canned sermon... This has been something that the church has had to learn about ever since, say, the 80s, uh, about TV preachers. And in the Internet age, it's something that, as every generation has to relearn, that you make a hero out of people because we have a very unfortunate tendency to worship talent and to overly value talent. And then you look up to this person and you see it, especially in youth culture, that young people are drawn towards some sort of spectacular preacher, um, bold preacher, and then something is found out about that person that lets them down. Um, there's yeah. a lot of names we could bring up. But I, I even over the long term, um, 
obviously you pray that none of these ministers fall, but it's not the design of discipleship to hold up someone as a hero, especially when you don't know them. Uh, Jesus is the hero, and those uh, who disciple us, we need to be able to know that they have strengths and they have weaknesses, as all human beings do, and fallen human beings not only have strengths and weaknesses, have have sins, have mm-hmm. besetting sins. And um, so that's that's something that I think is is important to say that you consistently, we Andy Stanley will be the not the the last uh, minister to disappoint, uh, not the last, unfortunately, not the last minister to depart from biblical Christianity, as it appears he's about to do. Um, right. We don't want this to happen, but there is something to say that um, the people we should really be praying for are the people he directly ministers to, because those are the ones that you will answer for first, and Christianity is designed that you should know your ministers personally. Um, but then in our age, people do have a platform beyond what is immediately present to them, and we'll answer for that as well. It's just, um, as far as blame goes around, it, it is on us who we choose to listen to and who we choose to let influence our hearts. And so one of the things that we can say is... Um, there have been concerns about Andy Stanley, and there should be more concerns going forward. Right. I, I think that's a lot of good things, what you just said there. And there was, I can't remember the name of who it was who said this, but um, but I do think you're right in saying it's good practice for the people you look up to, the people who are most influential in your life, ought to be the people in your local church, uh, the leaders who are leading you directly, uh, who you most have a connection with and a relationship with. Um, and that means in spite of the fact that they might not be as skilled or as gifted a teacher as an Andy Stanley right. or as a name, the preacher, John right, MacArthur, right, John right, Piper, right. Um, any other John who's a great right, preacher, right? Because right, there's so many. Um, those are many of those guys are, you know, are great preachers and teachers, and I, I've benefited from their ministry and their teaching. Um, but there is a problem in Christianity today where we we largely will, will outsource our yep. discipleship to that to other teachers and, and preachers listening to their sermons, going to their uh, podcasts in order to get counsel rather than going to our own pastors, our own teachers, our own yeah. churches. And that's that's a real problem, yeah. and, uh, and it can lead to all sorts of things. Yeah, well, because incidentally, uh, a mature believer is able to feed themselves by reading the scriptures, by uh, by having disciplines. I mean, we talked just a couple of podcasts ago about spiritual disciplines for the Christian life. Um and that is maturity, but we all need others as well. But we do not need celebrity preachers preaching to us. It is it is to be viewed, in my opinion, as a bonus uh, for our Christian walk. Yes. Such that if it's peripheral, if it's something that is, you know, if you want an extra sermon on a Thursday night or a whatever, a Saturday morning, then feel free. But it is not uh, a part of the meat of what uh, you need as a believer. Um, disembodied, disconnected ministers is not a pattern of the church, nor is it satisfactory. I mean, if you ask yourself, what is happening in your heart by listening to this person? Well, you want to know them. Well, that's not an option if they live in Atlanta or Seattle or right Los Angeles or New York or whatever. But in fact, there are ministers. Uh, and really, this goes very deep. If you want to start asking questions about well, but doesn't it mean something that they are talented? You ask yourself the questions the Apostle Paul asks uh, in his letters where he says, don't you recognize that God chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong? That we, God is not impressed uh, by ability uh, like we are. Um, but in fact, uh, the gifts given to your local ministers are to care for you and to be there for you. That's uh, the entire purpose. And you to be there for them because that's the other thing about your Christian walk is that you benefit as much from serving uh, as you do from being served. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's not to say that like it's not good to recognize giftings and sure. and things like that. No, we should. Um, but it, it, it's just a, a testament to exactly like you said how God uses the weak to shame the to shame the strong. Um, the the kingdom of God is. Uh, is not one that is dependent upon, nor is it one that has historically been built upon um, great popular right. speakers and things like that. 
it's built upon faithful believers across the world um, doing what Christians do. And, uh, and one of the things that they do is they are committed to a local church where they are instructed, taught, discipled by, uh, the pastors, the teachers, the other members there at their church. So, um, yeah, that's a great intro into sort of what we're talking about. Um, when we get to, when we talk about Andy Stanley, because if Andy Stanley were just some pastor at some church, we wouldn't be talking about him, but because he has reached the level of influence and fame, as a preacher and teacher, and for that exact purpose, that's why he comes into the crosshairs today uh, of Dr. Moeller um, as he writes this article. So the, the whole issue here, it, it's we'll just get right into it, is that there has been an announcement that in the upcoming days, uh, Andy Stanley is set to host at his church a conference called the Unconditional Conference. Um, and it's a conference, and I'll read you sort of the what the article says about it. The conference uh, bills it as a two-day premier event, especially designed for parents of LGBTQ plus children and ministry leaders. Quote, you will be equipped, refreshed, and inspired as you hear from leading communicators on topics that speak to your heart, soul, and mind. It promises one statement, or excuse me, one statement stands out in the description. Quote, no matter what theological stance you hold, we invite you to listen, reflect, and learn as we approach this topic from the quieter middle space. That line for Dr. Moeller, I think, set off alarms in his yeah. head and, and red flags um, because, as he sort of gets into, as much as that sounds nice, the idea of a quieter middle space, it doesn't exist. Right, because uh, what would be the two... Uh hard spaces the, the what would be the the hard left and the hard right spaces well the hard uh right would be that homosexuality is sinful it's wrong and is condemned in scripture and the other one would be nope it's accepted it's right and it's good i don't know where the middle space is there <laughs> right cuz cuz there's it's really just no place to say that homosexuality is neutral there is no neutrality in it, right. right? It's either right or it's wrong. There's not right. a... And, I, and though this is not outlined, the only other thing that I could think anyone might do would be to say, oh, no, there are people who say um, God hates people who are homosexual. It's like, well, that is not any, any reasonable right side of this. But then mm-hmm. the other thing to say is... Uh, what is outlined as the middle can be seen by who will be speaking at this conference. And it, there is no middle to it. Right. Right. And he gets right into it very quickly. Um, Dr. Moeller does uh, pointing out that there is really no such thing as middle space. Anyone who, who on this issue wants to try and claim a middle space, um, they're either on one side or the other. Right. They might think it's middle space, but it's, it's really not. Um, but he points that out by pointing, by saying, and looking at some of the speakers, and he looks at three speakers that are going to be at this conference, uh, and two of the three speakers are men that are described as being in a homosexual marriage. Not with one another, with other men, sure. but they are both actively engaging in and and in what they are calling a homosexual marriage. Now, um, as Bible-believing Christians, we would say, well, marriage in and of itself is a union of a husband and wife, not two men, not two women. So we would say maybe a, in a civil union, you know, maybe according to the government, you are in a homosexual marriage, but biblically you are not in a marriage at all. Uh, you're in another kind of, of relationship. Um, but that begins to show you and tell you, okay, what's going on in this conference? What is the middle, quieter middle space that they're proposing here? And it's one, to sort of lay it out, that that seeks to put forward the idea that while homosexuality itself uh, is not wrong, what's wrong is a sort of unhinged homosexual behavior, just like heterosexuality. So the argument being made is that marriage is still marriage, even in a biblical perspective, if it's a if it's two men or two women who are monogamous in a committed relationship, um, and they call it marriage. So there, it's sort of a... a, a a maintaining or a desire to maintain 
biblical affirmations of marriage and sexual fidelity um, to your spouse, to your partner, but it's extending it from a husband and a wife to it can be a husband and a husband or a wife and a wife. Um, that's sort of the argument being put forward. And one of the other speakers, uh, whose name is Brian Neitzel, I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but uh, that's kind of his whole purpose in speaking. That's like what he talks about uh, is uh, that the legitimacy of monogamous same-sex relationships. Um, he, along with another speaker, Justin Lee, both put forward this idea that uh, no, monogamous same-sex relationships are good and right, along with another author named David Gushy. And all these are in the article. I don't know that we need to get into these different authors beyond what Dr. Moeller does. And that's just to say, it's clear what these authors stand for. And it is a position on homosexuality that is very different from what the Bible teaches. Right. And so, um, I, this does sort of like bring in a lot of issues in my mind when I think about this whole conversation. One of the first things that comes to my mind, and I would like to bounce this off you, Dr. Moeller has made his position pretty clear that Andy Stanley has departed from biblical Christianity. That's a, like Dr. Moeller would always do, that's, I think, very well-crafted, thought-out language that he's using. What is the difference between saying a person has departed from biblical Christianity and saying that a person has essentially apostatized, that they have turned from the faith, that they are not a Christian? Do you have a—and maybe, I don't know if you even want to go into that. I don't think that there is a difference. Yeah. Um. In uh, unfortunately, uh, I think if you would ask Andy Stanley, he would not s- agree that he is mm-hmm. departing biblical Christianity. But if you are, if you are teaching other people false doctrine, uh, you have passed uh, the point of apostasy. You, you should be concerned for your own soul. We all feed ourselves the same doctrine we feed others, in theory, unless we are lying to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't believe this is a situation where um, he is uh, he is purposefully being deceitful in that way. I think he really believes this and has come to these conclusions. And that's a part of what we are, uh, why we are bringing up this article, is there is a path of Protestant liberalism and it's one that um, people walk down, and I think when they start walking down it, they often don't realize the path that they're walking. When you decide, well, I know the spirit of the Bible. I don't need the words of the Bible because I can sense now the spirit of the Bible. That is the first step towards destruction. Uh, you don't need, and it is wrong and deceitful of you, of yourself, to trust your own heart Uh we cannot be doing that. Right. The Holy Spirit's work in you, it works in concert with the scriptures. Yes, there is some enlightening and, and enlivening of your heart to the scripture, but never to the extent that you can then go, now I can go above and beyond the scriptures. I've graduated from the scriptures. Uh, no, that's not a hope that, that we need to have. And in fact, the scriptures will always be a help for us as we do uh, walk with Christ. And so uh, that's my opinion. I, I, I think that, that false teachers have already apostatized. What do you say? I agree. I agree. And I think, you know, Dr. Moeller is probably trying, trying to be pretty charitable here in his language. And Well, and, and he and sees not... that um, probably, I, I would think that he knows to Andy Stanley, this is um, just feels like another small step, but really this is, this is a big step Yo, uh, oh, th- yeah. that he does not have to take. Uh, and I pray that he doesn't, but there's just to have followed him. Uh, I would put him, say, in the 2000s or the early 2010s as somebody who was in um, my top 10 ministers that I would say listen to as I listen to sermons outside of um, my own church. Uh, I have gone to the extent of, um, in a youth context, uh kind of reading through and really taking major points from different messages of his. He's a very clear communicator. Um, And so I found him very helpful at different times. Um, He comes from, uh, you know, you appreciate 
his family and um and so far and up to this point i think he has been a positive contribution to the kingdom but this would be a major negative turn to create confusion uh, to create disarray and ultimately to lie to people about what god expects of them and that is um it's just something that you warn people of these sorts of things right to say that he is this is his departure from biblical Christianity. I agree with that statement. And I would also sort of carry it on the, the thought a little further to say, okay, well, is there any other kind of Christianity besides biblical Christianity? And the answer is no, not any sort of Christianity that means anything, sure. at least um, Christianity. If we are meaning um, those who are part of the kingdom of God, if we mean the church, if we mean all of those things that, that mean anything at all, right? Um, right? Then we would have to conclude that, yeah, this is a departure then from Christianity. He's he's essentially left the faith. Right. Um, if he carries on with this, you know, right? right. I, I think what what this sort of is, this article, and and maybe I don't have any idea who is sort of in touch with Anley Stanley. I don't know if he has people who are who are challenging him on this, uh, encouraging him, and and in opposition to this or anything. I get the impression, no. I mean, they've got a conference that they're doing. It's hard to make me hard to believe that everyone's been knowing about this conference coming up. The other leaders of the church have known about it and have helped plan it, but yet someone is pushing back against it. I don't know. Well, certainly he is the key leader at uh, the church, North Point. Right now, I can guarantee you, um, if you begin to learn about Andy Stanley, uh, he grew up with a guy named Louis Giglio. Uh, who is now another pastor of Passion City Church in Atlanta. Um, and they were best friends all through high school even. And, and so he has uh, friends who are believers. And if you don't know, Louis Giglio is uh, started the Passion Conference uh, movement for college students back in the 90s, and it, which is still going. Um, but beyond that, I have no idea. I mean, I, I, went, to, um, I went to a very short, like, one-day conference uh, with Andy Stanley and Craig Rochelle. Um, some of these guys do run, you know, in circles together. So right. They do conferences together and things right. like that. Yeah. Right, and so undoubtedly there are people who Andy Stanley talks to, right. and um, which is another reason to, to just make really clear that whatever you want to say about any of these past controversies, uh, there is much more clarity about the concern yeah. surrounding this event uh, because look if you are ready to say we want to platform speakers at our conference who are engaged in same-sex marriage in a conference about what kinds of sexual relationships are acceptable according to scripture well look it, we would we would have another unclear situation if this was some sort of like Dave Ramsey financial conference and one of the speakers was involved in a a, a gay marriage. You would kind of go, so what? What is our position on this? And Christians could disagree. It'd be an area of wisdom if you would want to sit under someone who doesn't listen to God's direction on one issue but will not be speaking about that issue at this conference. That's not what this is. This is a conference where this person will be platformed to speak about what God accepts which will not be based on the authority of the scripture. It will clearly be based on some other authority because the authority of the scripture is very clear on this matter, which is right. even if you unhitch from the Old Testament, Jesus himself says, have you not read that in the beginning God made them male and female? This is not a one-time message you find in the scripture. It's not limited to any section of scripture. Uh, it goes throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, where the Apostle Paul, for instance, mentions both the active and the passive partner in a homosexual relationship as being condemned Yeah, because they continue in their sin, because they, like all other sins, refuse to repent of their sin and to trust Christ. And so then, if the Apostle Paul says things like, but... That is what some of you were. Some of you were all of these kinds of sins. But 
when you came to know Christ, you turned from those and you follow him in a new way. That is what biblical Christianity is. We are not a different kind of person when we say, there's a sinner over there and there's me over here. What we say is, by the grace of God, I was darkness, I lived in darkness, I celebrated darkness, but because of the influence of Christ, I now do not celebrate darkness. In fact, I celebrate life and I give everything I can, wake up every morning anew and say, I want to walk away from that darkness. I want to walk in the light. But if you don't want to do that, you simply can't claim that you are following any form of Christianity. You're following something that you're making up yourself. And to anyone who might find yourself in a church that doesn't proclaim the scriptures, the whole counsel of the scriptures, well, here's the thing. What you are following is some person. And you probably can identify them at that meeting where you go. But that's not going to get you anywhere. That's not worth your time. Uh, yeah. We want to follow the God who reveals himself in the Scripture. Yeah. Uh, it will be not less than the Scriptures. It will be more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we shouldn't seek to discount any part of the Scriptures. Right. And, and what I can already imagine people saying and thinking about this is, okay, well, you know, Andy Stanley, he accepts the New Testament and believes it, Um but he just has a different interpretation about the text regarding homosexuality. Uh, you mentioned a couple already, but there's you know several we could go to, but just in the New Testament. But they, they maybe would say, okay, so he has a different interpretation than you about some of those things. Christians have done that for a long time. There have always been Christians that have had different interpretations about certain doctrines, certain texts, certain things. Why can this issue not be the same? Like, for example, we would say, the uh, the Presbyterian understanding of baptism is wrong. They have a wrong interpretation of baptism and how it should be applied in the New Covenant today than what we do. But we would also not say that because of their view on baptism, Presbyterians have left, have departed from biblical Christianity. Right. But we are now saying that, and I agree with you, and I agree with Dr. Moeller about Andy Stanley, that with this issue, he has left biblical Christianity, um, but the, to some of the listeners, they might be saying, well, why? Why is it true of one but not the other? And here's what I would say, and then I'd be happy to hear what you would say too. I would say uh, on these issues, the Bible, though many people today want to accommodate the culture and want to act like these texts are in some way unclear, muddy, ambiguous, the Bible is actually not unclear on these issues. It teaches very clearly with regards to biblical sexual morality, what is right, what is wrong, what is sin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to read a couple of them for us because I just think we need to hear them. Uh, one would be in Romans chapter 1, uh, verses 26 and 27. For this reason, this is, so real quick, uh, this is talking about the sinfulness of man, right, in Romans 1. Therefore, God gave them up uh, in the lusts, oh, I'm reading 24 through 27 real quick, in the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, and among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature, and men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. This is one passage of several others, um, and maybe we can get into some of those later, but that teaches very clearly the sinfulness of homosexuality, um, that this is unnatural, wicked behavior, behavior that is in other places in the scriptures described as an abomination. Mm -hmm. Anytime the Bible calls something an abomination, you ought to take note of it and and take it seriously. Um, And so where I would say Andy Stanley differs from, say, a a Presbyterian, for example, is that he is taking an issue that there is no unclarity on, there is no unsurety on, there is no no way to teach that these things that the Bible clearly says are sin as otherwise um, without just opposing, rejecting, rebelling against the very authority of God as he has revealed himself in Scripture. Whereas something like a Presbyterian who takes a different stance on baptism is by no way 
negotiating on what sin is and what sin isn't, right. nor are they negotiating on what the gospel is and what the gospel isn't. Uh, they are taking the scripture at its word, uh, but they do have a different view on when baptism should occur and who should be baptized right. um, and how they should be baptized, right? Um, but that's a very different thing than saying, although the Bible, although God says this is sin and he says so clearly, I disagree. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, Presbyterians, uh, you and I would both agree, uh, in particular with uh, anyone involved in a Presbyterian Church of America, uh, generally, this is a believer. We don't yeah. worship in the same context. So we do disagree on some fundamental issues. Yeah. Um, but Presbyterians uh, don't say, we don't think baptism needs to happen at all. Right. Which would be fundamentally disagreeing with the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, and so if someone were to say to me, oh, I, I agree that the Bible teaches that homosexual relationships are sinful. Therefore, I just won't look at an image of someone of the same gender. It's like, well, okay, that would be your choice. But that's a much less fundamental disagreement than, you know, uh, to celebrate something that the Bible condemns. Right. Uh, and and this, is, this is where we are in terms of uh, disagreement, that the scripture is clear that, that you have two options uh, as a person who God gives what is good, which is a sexual desire. You can either get married and express that sexual desire in ways that God celebrates, or you can remain single if God enables you to do that. Mm-hmm. And those are the two options. Yeah. Specifically, get married to someone of the opposite sex. Right. Yeah. yeah. You can get married Biblical in the way that, that God commands. Right. And so those are the options. And, and in the church, we believe that God, you know, encourages both of those. We find it very difficult for people to remain unmarried and happy in a society like ours, which uh, idolizes sex so much but it's possible i've known people who have done it and and people who i believe that god has led to do it um so that's why that disagreement is different um now david gushy uh who is a name that i had heard before but not looked much into uh he comes into this and is another one uh, of the major speakers mm-hmm. and offers this argument that Unfortunately, I, do, I think draws some people in, but is is so woefully inadequate in terms of a biblical argument. And his argument is, oh, but you see, this category of a committed same-sex marriage is not one that exists in the scriptures. Therefore, we can assume that it will be accepted. That is in no way, shape, or form how uh, how scripture works. <laughs> Um, there is no imagine this imagine if someone said to you hey I broke into somebody's computer today and I stole some stock from them and then I said to you well lucky you the Bible doesn't specifically speak to stealing stocks (laughs) looks like you're free and clear pal right it's laughable I mean it is completely laughable but literally you run into these arguments um, no, the Bible does not say <laughs> that if you are involved in a same-sex marriage, that's permissible because it condemns all same-sex sexual activity. Right. And to anyone who might say, well, doesn't the Bible condemn lusting in your heart? Yes. Yes. So therefore, I repent of that as yep. well. What We do not then, it is not the Christian practice to uh, to go, Ah, thankfully, Jesus has paid the price for sins. Therefore, open up the doors and let's let them all in and ravage my heart. No, in fact, I say, God, teach me what life is and teach me how all sins are death, even the ones that my old broken heart thinks are still life. Right. And there is a process of sanctification where I, where I learn that, but you never learn that by saying, maybe this one that all clear indicators say is death. If I can convince myself that it's life, if we're all honest, we know that there are ones we would love to do that about. But that is why if you've ever been in Christian community, it is a shocking moment when you have people you trust and you say, well, my my heart's kind of open to this. And another person just goes, well, that's awful. Yeah, that is not good at all. And my 
my art is not okay with that. Yeah. And I love you, but that's not right. Yeah. And we're all susceptible to certain kinds of sins in that way. That's one of the reasons that we need each other. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, yeah, it, there is this sort of, which I think there's a lot of redefining that goes on in these sorts of discussions and these sorts of arguments. Um, because what some people also might be be thinking, wondering, um, is with, with regards to things like, I've heard people say, oh yeah, so-and-so is a gay Christian. They're gay, but they're a Christian. Now, what they are saying or trying to communicate is not that they are in a same-sex relationship with another person of the same sex, but that they have these desires, these tendencies um, that they can't get rid of, yeah. um, and but they are, rather than embracing them and indulging them, yeah. they are... They are subduing them. Yes. They are not, right? They're not engaging in those things. Right. But they would say, well, that, you know, I'm still gay because I still have those tendencies. To which I, I would respond, you shouldn't be finding your identity in that thing. Right. Uh, like, but, but we do need to be clear, right? What we're not saying is anyone who has uh, sinful desires towards homosexuality um, is... Like that means you're not a Christian, right? Yes, no. there are there are Christians who deal with same sex attraction for yes. certain. Yes. There are Christians who deal with the desire to steal. There are Christians who deal with the desire uh, to they lust after women. There are Christians who deal with uh, illicit desires resulting around pride or gluttony, laziness. Yeah. I mean, there are there are lots of sins that stick with us, but the real death the real point of death is when you label that as something that is okay to stay that, exactly. that you won't fight anymore exactly that's the problem and 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 yeah so i i say to that yes absolutely when when someone is fighting against those sinful desires those sinful things those temptations then yes that is that person is a is a christian or is at least in acting in a christian way in that instance what the men on this stage are doing is not that they are embracing their sin and attempting to find ways to rationalize it or make it okay is actually what's happening. And that is was, is very, very wicked, very wrong. But it does make me think, and I, I've always, I've not been a big fan of, of this language, and so I would just, I would avoid it. Um, but the idea that someone can be gay and be a Christian. Look, someone can have same sex, be attracted to the people of the same sex, um, and fight against that, and, and reject that, and fight their sin in that way. Yeah. And th those sinful desires, but don't call yourself gay. You're not gay. Uh, you have those any any more than than a man who's married and has uh, a desire for another woman should be calling himself an adulterous Christian, right? Because you have a desire for sexual relations right. that the Lord has not allowed and not not right. Right. given right. Right. And so be like. Don't find and, and you, I would you don't hear anyone like, saying I'm a lustful Christian. I'm a lustful because Christian. if yeah. you are a Christian, you are seeking to leave that part of right. your identity behind. And look, you can have and you should be having conversations with trusted people about that regularly. Right, but it it betrays a certain acceptance yes. of a a kind of identity. Right, with that kind of labeling. Right, uh, that. That frankly, one of the things that we hope for as believers, which is a strange thing to think about, is that one day these desires will be taken out of my old dead heart and I will be given fully a new heart. And for all eternity, I won't be that way anymore. Yeah. And it's scary. Where it, it, I think at first when you think about that, it's like, well, I might lose me. But the biblical teaching is, no, you'll become fully you finally. Yeah. Uh, we will all uh, eventually in, in Christ see each other as we were really meant to be and for all eternity we will be who we were really meant to be but it will be without those besetting sins and that is that we hope for that and we look mm -hmm. forward to that and we strive for that now there are no limits that we know of as to how close to christ we can become and we shouldn't be laying limits on that uh, because that's what life is it's an amazing thing to try and think about what will life be like without any sinful desires Right. That'll be a pretty cool reality, right. I think. But I think what it also does, this giving yourself like, a, giving someone a label like gay Christian, I think it also, and we've seen this even in certain conferences, it creates a sort of comfort with 
the sin that shouldn't exist. As though the desires themselves are not wrong, only acting on them is wrong. Right. And I, I get where some people are coming from with that. Like temptation is a real thing. And, and just because someone is tempted doesn't mean they have, they have uh, expressly engaged in some sort of willful, sinful act. Mm-hmm. But I would say that the problem with that sort of thinking is even homosexual desires are wrong right. and are sinful. Right. They don't become bad only when you act on them. They're already bad. Right. And you need to fight against those. You need to reject those. Don't get comfortable with them. And I think that happens when we use this this language of like, well, I'm a gay Christian or I'm a Christian who has same-sex attraction and I'm fine with that. I just never act on it. No, no, no. Don't even be fine with that. Like fight against that. You might not ever have a sexual attraction towards someone of the opposite sex, but you still should be fighting against that sinful disordered desire right. nonetheless. One of the uh, one way I've heard this expressed around uh, heterosexuality is um, a guy said once, you know, well, I can be driving down the street, see an attractive woman. I can check her out. That's not sin. I can drive around the block to see her again. That's not sin. And it's like, look, you're deceiving yourself. Yeah. Because Jesus is the one who reveals that to lust in your heart is sin. You don't want to give the space for that in your heart because that's where the further sin of acting on it comes from. And right. when you build that fire in your own heart, so we we seek to mortify the flesh to shut down down those desires at the heart level with god's help we we can't control it but we seek to honor him with that and so that's a a similar way uh a a similar vein uh, of this sort of thing and what some people might be hearing is well that sounds like a really radical hard uh line to draw and and you know really extreme view of like human sexuality and what is wrong, what is sinful, what isn't. And it's like, yeah, it kind of is, but that's the biblical view. I mean, well, Jesus himself in the Sermon on the Mount goes beyond just acting on certain things, even to the heart that he says to, to look at a woman lust after her is to commit adultery in your heart. And we're saying, yes, that is really hard. And guess what? We all fall short. Right. But the difference is, and what it means to be a believer is that you repent of that sin. You fight against it. You repent. And then what do we do? We rely on on Christ's grace, the right. grace of God in Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. Right. It's not by our obedience. Right. And our, all this is yeah. for the purpose of, of loving God. It's not just, you know, uh, there there is a perverse sort of uh, desire to, to punish yourself that can exist in people. This is not for some sort of... Uh, Self-flagellation. Right. Or it, it's yeah. not about that. It is because I want to honor God with everything I have and I want to be holy for his purposes and my good that that what i believe is that to to build fires inside of myself that are not going to be directed anywhere is frustrating and foolish yep. uh and, and in fact that what god has for me is my good and that to inflame myself with any sort of unnatural lust mm-hmm. uh, whether that's greed or sexual desire that that is not going to end up being fulfilled is foolish and that I have purpose in my life. Right. I want to serve and, and love people and, and honor God. And I know that what he wants to build in me is prudence, temperance, justice, fortitude, faith, hope, love, to build better things than those kinds of fires. Because if you want to build useless fires, we know what those sorts of things are. There are lists in the Bible too that say people are always building in themselves destructive tendencies, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's, you know, witchcraft and idolatry, greed, I mean, all the kinds of things that, that you could mention, but these are some of the strange ways that our own hearts are deceiving us, but don't, don't give into those, right? Those lead you to destroy yourself. Right. Um, that is part of what is really sad about being a broken, fallen human being is we're constantly sabotaging ourselves. Yeah, and so that's that's what it's about. If anybody is hearing this sort of uh, on, in a vein of, ah, uh, yes, uh, Christians enjoy denying themselves for no reason. No, that's not it at all. That that is, and in fact, for all eternity, what we hope for is my will will be in concert with my heart and my mind, and in concert and working exactly in order with God, who is my real first love. And that for all eternity, it will be increasing pleasure and increasing joy and increasing purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's what we look towards. But we do believe that right now some of our desires, all of us, 
are wrong and that to give in to a wrong desire only inflames a desire that's going to betray you and that will be frustrating. Right. And also for believers, we believe and recognize that that God is good and that these good things that he has given us like marriage and like sexual desire are good things right. and have a proper outlet, proper context to be enjoyed and be exercised. Yep. And we believe the promises of God that if we enjoy them in the way he has commanded us to and outlined for us to, that it will lead to uh, what is better for us. It will lead to our good, will right. lead to human flourishing, it will lead to all these good things that he has declared if they are enjoyed and exercised in the way and in the context that he has commanded. And that's a part of what makes this argument being made and, and that as this conference is is, is now putting forward and, and billing what it's going to be is that it's taking this good thing that God has created in marriage. What a beautiful institution that God created in marriage. Uh, and it's taking that and now injecting it with this thing that the Lord has expressly condemned right. and said is wrong. And it is a corrupting of this thing. It's a part of what's so so grotesque about this is that it's a it's a corrupting with the very things the Lord outlaws in the scriptures. Yep. It is using those things to corrupt one of the greatest things that he has ever given us in right. creation, and that is the gift of marriage. Right, and that's even clearer if you think back to our previous podcast, which is about how the West is repaganizing. Right. If, when, uh, I don't have to say if, when marriage, Christian marriage, was introduced to the world— what existed in Rome was male power over the woman, mm -hmm. an uneven institution where the man could express himself sexually in whatever way his status afforded him. And if the wife acted in the same way, she could be killed uh, or punished in whatever way seemed fit to the man. But Christian marriage comes in and says, to the shock of the entire world, literally no other part of the world imposed on men the same restrictions on sexual fidelity. But we have forgotten where we've come from. We've Christianity's been around long enough that this is another instance of the West repaganizing when the church, in this instance of Andy Stanley, uh, and 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 if his church goes along with this, his church forgetting what has happened in the world, and going, maybe we could loosen up a little bit on what uh, the scripture is. It's like, well, what you're opening the door to is ancient Rome, step by step. And we don't accept the first step, nor would the ancient Christians, nor would any Christian from throughout the ages who knew what the scripture taught on this, uh, because what we want is Christian marriage, which expects certain things. This is the road to, well, can we really expect sexual fidelity? Why can't it be an open marriage? Why right. can an open marriage and quote open marriage not be a Christian marriage? Right. If, if the scriptures don't mean anything, anything goes. That's right. And, and that's, this is the first step towards that end. And, uh, it's not a it's not a Christian step. It is it is not a biblical step. It's it's a step where you're making it up as you go. And a lot of people probably, uh, I think, in the circle where this might be rolling in, don't realize that. But that that is what this step it is. It is it is a return to paganism with a different face on it. And um, and it's not Christianity, whether or not. I mean, uh, David Gushy, strangely enough, admits that. Uh, he will grant the historical claim that the church has believed that same-sex acts and relationships are always wrong. But he traces a change in himself and says, for some reason, I've just come to a different conclusion <laughs> on this. Well, it's because of cultural pressure. We are living in a very strange moment, which is, um, in a lot of ways, things have been turned inside out. Our, we put our thoughts out on social media day by day, and people know them. Things that in, in 70, 80, 90, 100 years ago, people would have never known anywhere near this much. Yeah. of someone's inner thoughts. The only one people that we even cared to know is this interesting practice that say, uh, if someone had died and they were famous in the, say 1850s to 1950 or so, they wrote letters and they wrote so many letters that those might be published, pub letters written to anyone. Yeah. Uh, and then people could read their thoughts. Well, our thoughts are out there. I mean, whether you know it or not, a lot of your thoughts that you've posted on social media are just out there on the internet right now. And so that practice is new, but that doesn't mean that 
it's reasonable uh, to to just assume, oh, well, the scriptures changed, the standards have changed. Just because we know more about what people's desires are has no effect on what's going on in terms of biblical standards. They're still the same. It's just there is a lot of pressure. Yeah, there is. There is. There are many, many, many occasions in which uh, I have thought, man, wouldn't it be easier um, if the if I could just kind of lend the Bible to my own desires, to my own um, inclinations, or more specifically to the cultures? Like it'd be a lot easier. It would. But the bottom line, and I think where where we have to land on this and and where we come to is that where that that subhead takes us that a a move in this direction this kind of of claim this kind of movement is a movement outside the bounds of scripture and is a movement away from biblical christianity and therefore away from christianity and that is the step that andy stanley and his church are about to take Um, my prayer is that his church would frankly that his church on the grounds of scripture would rebel against this and would push back in a serious way and call their pastor to repentance. And my prayer is that he would. Um, I don't want to see Andy Stanley take this step. I want him to be used by God uh, to to instruct and help believers. Um, but this is the exact opposite. And so my prayer is that he repents uh, and that his church calls him to account uh, in a serious way. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, there there is work to be done as a church. Uh, I mean. I think uh, times like this, I think of Matthew 25, where the Lord says, look, there's hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, sick, and in prison, and there's work to be done in the church. And and if you did for those, you did for me. And if you didn't do for those, you didn't do for me. These are examples of places where it's really clear what we ought to be doing. Yeah, These are things that waste time in terms of, not only they waste time, they confuse people about what Christianity is. Um, they This does not show love of neighbor. Right. To, to lie to your neighbors about besetting sins. Look, we, we all have sins that stick with us. What oh, you yeah. do for, for your brothers and your sisters is you say, I will help you. I, I will do anything because you can't give yourself to those things. That's destruction to give yourselves to those things. That's what it is to love someone. It is not loving to say that thing you struggle with is not sin. That thing will destroy right. uh, your brother and your sister. And we all have these, but it is, it is hating your brother or your sister to say to them that thing that that threatens to eat you up maybe it's not so bad after all it's just not it the end of those things is destruction and it's our responsibility to tell tell those people that um i would just conclude with this for anyone who who maybe is listening to this i don't know maybe you deal with the sin of homosexuality or same-sex attraction um maybe you know someone who do or maybe you just have questions about well what does this mean does this mean that that anyone who is homosexuals as outside the reach of God? Well, let me just read for you um, this passage. This, this from comes from Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. It says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit, <clears throat> excuse me, will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers, will inherit the kingdom of God. Then he goes on to say in verse 11, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. This is good news to say, look, the the message we want to to get to you, if you, whatever camp you fall into here, we all find ourselves in some way standing before God, guilty, sinful, corrupt human beings, it is only by the cleansing power of the blood of Christ that any of us can come to the Lord. Uh, and and we, our message, our, our hope that we have, and, and what we would tell all of you who are listening, is that whatever your past is, whatever your desires are, whatever your inclinations are, just know that the Lord is able to cleanse you from those things, to forgive you of those things, to accept you into his family. Now, it will involve, we can't lie, it will involve a denial of those things, a denial of of your sinful desires, a denial of the flesh, and a putting to death of those things. But what we get in exchange is far better. And and that's the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. Um, so I don't know what else to say, Jackson. you have anything that you would like to add? No, we, we can uh, leave it there. It is, it is something that you have to be on the watch for areas where, or people might say, you know, maybe we were wrong about this. And... Uh, 
this is not unconsidered. Right. But this is this is not a matter where the scripture is unclear. Uh, it, it is clear, and it is also clear how we can manage to lie to ourselves about these sort of things. Yeah. But we just can't lie to ourselves, and we can't lie to each other. It's not loving to do so. Right. We have to stand firm on what the scripture has said. That's right. Okay. Well, this has been Empires of the Future. And we'll see you in the future. <laughs>